Hello, welcome to the Zat Chat. I'm here with Mr. Andrew Hi. Keel, the Harry Hello. Very enthusiastic. Yes. Uh, who are you here with, Andrew? I'm here with you, Nick. Reverend Nick Welford. <laughs> of Board, Deck and Dice. Uh, we are your hosts on the Zatcast. Uh, no, what's it called, Andrew? Please remind me. It is me. called the Zat Chat. Correct. <laughs> I like the way you phrased it like a question, yeah. as though you didn't really know that was the answer. <laughs> what? That's how Canadians what? speak, apparently. Or did you have a question mark on the auto cue? That's what it was, yeah. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> so today's theme is gateway games. If you don't know, a gateway game is a game that we would use to introduce people to the hobby of board games. Oh, what, a fine, um, what a fine hobby it is. It is an excellent hobby, one that I heartily recommend. If not, and uh, not lifestyle. <laughs> yes, lifestyle. <laughs> Being broke because of cardboard. Uh, before we get into our contributors with their uh, suggestions for their favourite gateway games, we will just get rid of some housekeeping. Firstly, an apologies for the lateness of the big potato issue. Uh, issue, the big, the big issue potato. <laughs> um, that podcast just went out. We didn't manage to get it out before the UK Games Expo. Expo. We are getting used to this technology. Most of us being rank amateurs. Uh, so. Uh, Hopefully, we will improve as we go along. Yes. But also, myself, Andrew, and a load of the blogging team got to go to the UK Games Expo. I'm going to let Andrew just give you a little recap of his feelings, because it was his first time. That's correct. It was my first. I was touched for the very first time uh, by the UK Games Expo, and it was a wonderful event. First of all, I was struck at how huge the place was. Two massive halls rammed full of uh, amazing gaming stuff. Secondly, I was uh, shocked by the amount of people that was there and how nicely it smelled there as well. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, and uh, even though it got extremely hot on the Saturday, can you remember that, Nick? I remember it being extremely hot. Extremely hot. Particularly on the Saturday. It was crazy. But what a great time. Um, great meeting loads and loads of different people. Uh, obviously, being a hairy game lord, it was a wonder to see the beards out on show. Oh, it was amazing. And... Um, Brilliant working on the Zatu stand. Really enjoyed meeting people and chatting to people about games and about blogging uh, and demoing some games. I had an amazing demoing experience with you, Nick, didn't I? Yes, 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 yes. And we went over to uh, Mythica Games, went into our, our own individual like press pod, and we had a go on... The game that's being released today on Kickstarter, isn't it? Yes, today is the 25th. Yeah, today. So that was Super Fantasy Brawl. And wow. Can I just say, wow. Yeah, it was good. And and the moments I thought I wasn't going to enjoy something about that demo, something happened that turned that around. And, you know, you kind of, when you're reviewing games, you think, uh, you get used to kind of, 
certain things which you see as a negative, I guess, or that people look out for. And every time I thought that might happen, like your second move was incredibly powerful. Oh, I thought it was cool. Oh. I thought, oh, well, flipping cards. I've just used, I have to use one of mine to block that. And now I've only got two, two actions I can do. And then it just came back to me and I was able to do an immense one as well. And oh, just, yeah, you smashed me up against a, a statue <laughs> or something like that and then just got the upper hand. I was bouncing you off a wall like a basketball, yeah. Yes, that, that was that was my highlight actually getting to demo that and hearing um hearing some secret stuff. Oh now yes. that, will, mm. that will come uh, become more known, I guess, after the super fantasy brawl expansion uh, expansion a campaign. So uh look out for that. Great. Well let's go on and have a listen to uh Tom Gorner as we like to call him, The Mind. <laughs> Hello guys, it's Tom here from The Honest Meeple, giving my view on which gateway games I would recommend to new players to the hobby. The first is one that actually got me into the hobby to begin with, and it's one that is always on the top of my list when I recommend it to new players, and the second is a game that's so quick and easy to pick up that you'll be playing it in no time at all, and it's one that I always enjoy and pretty much carry around with me everywhere I go. The first, however, is Splendour. Splendour is a card-based, gem-collecting, card-development game. All sounds very confusing, especially if you are a new player, so I'll break it down. Essentially, you are a gem merchant in the Renaissance, and you have to gather raw materials, refine them, craft them into gems, and then sell them to jewel shops in order to get and build wealth. As soon as you build that wealth, what will come with that wealth is prestige points. The more prestige points you get, the more likely you are to win. There will be set objectives. So normally you have to be the first of 15 prestige points. As soon as you hit that, then the game stops. There's one more turn for those who haven't gone. And then the winner is the one with the most prestige points. It's not the person who gets to 15 first, because you may find that others will get there in the next and last turn. Very confusing, again... But don't worry, as soon as you play it, you will understand. Essentially, you will collect gems, you will gather gems together, and you will use those to buy resources and buy the cards on the table. You will build these cards up, and they offer gem bonuses, which can be used instead of actually collecting the gem chips throughout the game. If you gather enough bonuses, you will then eventually attract a noble. A noble will bring with it prestige points, a lot of prestige points, and it's just that one step further towards winning the game. The game was nominated back in 2014 for a Spiel des Jahres award, so it's definitely one to keep on your radar if you're thinking of buying and delving into this new hobby. It's one that got me into the hobby itself. I actually came across the app on the App Store on Google Play, and I played it quite a few times, I really enjoyed it, and then it wasn't until advert popped up on the game itself saying you can get this in board game format. And after that, the rest is history. And now I have a massive shelf of board games and a very angry girlfriend telling me what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> so that is Splendour. That is always on top of my list to recommend to new players. As I say, it's very easy to pick up, very easy to play. It's a very light game. And it's one that still makes you think it's not too light that it's kind of just a breeze and you don't really get an idea of what the game is about 
My second game is one that is definitely perhaps a lot lighter, but one that again gives you the mechanics and teaches players a lot of new things. That is, of course, Love Letter. Love Letter is a card game in which you are attempting to court a princess by sending her love letters. It's a game of risk and deduction. Essentially, you will have a hand of one card, or if it's your go, two cards. You will choose from those two cards which card to play. Now, these cards have certain abilities. If you have a guard, the guard lets you select a player and guess which card they may have in their hand. If you get it right, they have to discard that card and they're out of the game. You could have the prince. That means you could force a player or even yourself to discard a card. You could have the king, which trades hands. What you don't really want is the princess. If you have the princess card, you have to keep hold of it no matter what. If you discard it, if you're forced to discard it, you lose. It's a very interesting game. When I explain it to people, it they kind of glaze over a bit and they get quite confused. As soon as they play it, however, that's when the competitiveness comes out. This is quite an evil game. As soon as you get it, you can build strategies up. For example, you know if you have a hand of a baron and a princess, you've got a surefire win against someone right there. The baron allows you to pitch your card against someone else. It becomes a duel. The higher the card, you are the winner. So if you've got the princess, there is no higher card. You've won that already. So that's a great starting hand. It's amazing to think that a deck with just 16 cards can produce such a beautiful game. Those 16 cards are carried with me pretty much everywhere I go. I won't leave the house without a game of Love Letter because it's so easy to carry around. It's so small, it's only a pack of 16 cards. You introduce it to someone and they are taken they, I've never come across someone who doesn't love that game. Its simplicity makes it very attractive to new players. But the complexity of it, and actually when you delve into it and really challenge people, once people understand it, they can really challenge themselves and others. As soon as you get that complexity, it just builds the game more and more. That is Love Letter. And as I say, it's pretty much coming up second in terms of my games that I would recommend to new players for gateway games. If you're thinking of getting into the hobby, take a look on our website. There are loads of different games available, but do check out Splendour and Love Letter and the other suggestions that my co-presenters have suggested today. You might find something that takes your fancy. So good luck to you in this new hobby. For those who are already in it and are probably thinking, actually, yeah, I like these gateway games. Let's hear what your suggestions are. Anyway, guys, my name's Tom from The Honest Meeple. Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you all next time. Thanks, Tom. Used to leaving your house with things that are so small. <laughs> I like the way he threatened everyone who played Le Love Letter with being taken. <laughs> like, um, I'm, I'm immediately going to go out and send Liam Neeson a copy of Love Letter. That's good. See what happens to Tom then. I, I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about Love Letter in such an endearing way. He doesn't <laughs> leave the house without a copy of Love Letter. Amazing. And he does, he's experienced uh, what we all experience 
the angry significant other. Oh yes. Um, or, did he say girlfriend or grandma? <laughs> he said girlfriend. Definitely. Girlfriend. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Makes more sense. So, uh, Andrew. Yes. Why don't you tell us about a favourite gateway game of yours? Right. This. Ooh, I love it. So basically, this is from Lucky Duck Games, and it is Chronicles of Crime. Uh, basically, it's like a, a whodunit, but way better. So uh, it's it's works. It's a board game. You've got the board, and you've got all these different cards, which are loads of different uh, either clues and evidence, or their people or their locations and the base game is set in london england and basically is that is that a is that a made-up fictional place for the game or? no it's a real place if you you should go there i'll look it up you should you should you should it's quite it's quite big can't miss it so anyway chronicles of crime uh you've got your board you've got your cards and on all of the cards there are qr codes because also, that what accompanies this uh, amazing game is an app, and the app uh, kind of generates the story, and you going through and trying to find basically either who has murdered somebody or who has robbed something, and you've got to do it in a in a ma an amount of time. Now, the reason why I think this is a brilliant gateway game is because it fits into a, a great evening's entertainment. So you invite over some friends for a meal. What do you do afterwards? The conversation has dried up, maybe. Uh, you say, hey, let's solve a mystery or a, or a murder mystery or something like that. And you get out this awesome game and put it on the table. Now, what we did is we actually moved from the table into the living room and cast our phone. Sacre bleu. I know, I know, absolutely. <laughs> we cast the app up onto, uh, onto the TV, so it wasn't just one person reading from the app or looking at uh, sort of like the crime scenes on the app, but everybody was therefore involved, so everyone could read along. We all put on silly voices. That was very funny. It's amazing how a Cockney accent can turn into an Australian and then into an Indian, and then maybe into a Welsh, all in the same sentence. Stunning, stunning. And then in the bits where you look at the crime scene, in fact, you need other people helping you because there's so much to look at at that moment. You only have about 30 seconds. You can look around. It's kind of like a 3D-style uh, uh, projection on the screen. You look around. You see different objects, which you then call out to your co-players or detectives and they find those objects on the cards uh, we found it as a, a really really fun game really interactive and a brilliant one to introduce new people into the hobby brilliant i also really like with chronicles of crime is that the expansions that are out outside of the app the kind of physical expansions noir and red view do something very different with the technology uh, well, Noir's not very, Noir sets it in the past and you don't have the access to the mobile phones, so you don't have access to the specialists uh, in the same way. And you gain these actions where you can bribe people, but people aren't 
always going to be bribed and they remember if you've tried to bribe them and they start being frosty to you oh, good and it's just so clever and then i haven't played red view but apparently it's more of a um it's more of a take on stranger uh, stranger things yes so you're playing out a story with these kind of mysteries like scooby-doo for teens or something and it just shows the strength of the core kind of gameplay um and so far all those fit in the core box which is something i really like yes i like it when a game comes ready for expansions to go into it i think yes you have thought ahead so i mean the game is sort of like around the 25 pound mark i think and you get so much for that, even in the base set, which is set in um, the mythical town of London. And um, yeah. uh, on the app, there are loads and loads of different scenarios that you can uh, get uh, with the base game, but then also purchase additional ones for, I think it's about five quid a pop. And it's well worth it. So go out and get involved, people. Chronicles of Crime from Lucky Duck Games. It is quality will not regret excellent uh well we also going in the same week we did the uk games expo we had a rather exciting road trip you and i down to norwich and the bowthorpe center i think it was called something like that yeah. bowthorpe mall uh and we visited zatu's um retail first retail physical store uh, which was great. We had a, a great time there. Got to meet the guys from the Dice Tower. Yes. Um, so if you are in Norwich, near Bowthorpe, if you know what those words mean, it's well worth checking out our retail store uh, as well as our online store. Um, uh, meet the staff there. Luke, who is the manager, is an awesome guy. And uh, they're doing lots of exciting events for people on the evenings. So definitely go and check that out. Yes, get involved. We... We would go down. Yeah, we? We'd do. go down if it wasn't a, a three hundred mile round trip. Yeah, be there. Be there. I'm tempted anyway. I am actually tempted to return when I get my private plane. You know. Good. Um, so we're going to hand over now to Will Wacky Races Moffitt <laughs> to see what his recommendations for Gateway Game are. Hello there. I'm Will from Board Game Beacon. When I think about games I play with non-gamers, I choose games that are probably quick to learn, but don't outstay their welcome. They have to have a low level of complexity and a generally engaging theme. And I didn't just read that out. The first game I'm going to talk about is King of Tokyo by Richard Garfield and published by ELO Games. It says it's two to six players and it can play from eight years plus and it lasts 30 minutes. Although I'd say a game lasting 30 minutes is a long game. It could be over in 10. And the fact that it says eight years and up, I'd say you could probably go with five years and up. The game's pretty easy to understand. You've got a very simple board that you slap in the middle of the table. You're either in Tokyo City or Tokyo Bay, which is five to six players. So essentially, you're either in Tokyo or you're out of Tokyo. Only one person can be in Tokyo. The players are represented by cardboard cutouts of monsters. There's Alienoid, Gigazor, which is a Godzilla lookalike, Cyber Kitty, Space Penguin, which is a a penguin in a spacesuit that seems to be ginormous, the king, which is a King Kong look-alike, and Mecha Dragon, which is like a metal Godzilla. In the game, you'll be rolling and re-rolling and re-rolling again, dice, to try and either be the last monster standing, you've got to kill all your opponents, or you can try and race to 20 points. Whoever gets to either 20 points or is left standing wins. 
On the face of these lovely chunky black dice with green neon decorations, you can roll either a one, a two or a three, and you'll need three of a kind to earn that many points. So three ones will get you one point, three twos will get you two points, three threes will get you three points. Any extras will just add an extra point on. With hearts, you heal damage. With these little lightning bolts, you'll earn little energy cubes, which me and my daughters call Energems, and they can be used to purchase cards. And there's a fantastic set of about 66 cards with all different special abilities. Now you can buy them in a kind of a market and they really add stuff to the game. Like you might earn an extra head, which is a, represented by another dice that you can add to your pool each round. You might get poison spit, which can um, harm people. Once you spat at them, they'll get injured every round if they don't try and get rid of it by losing some dice. There are things like parasitic tentacles, the ability to grow bigger, have a baby dinosaur or baby monster. But these cards don't really add much complexity to the game, they just make it more fun. On the final face of the die is a big claw. Now if you're in Tokyo, you'll hit every other monster that's outside of Tokyo. Well if you're outside of Tokyo, you'll just hit the monster in Tokyo. But the one thing is, when you're in Tokyo, you cannot heal. There is player elimination, but this game's so quick that even when you're eliminated, it's great to just watch other people and the banter that's going around the table, the fun, the massive chunky dice crashing down on the table, seeing those claws appear watching people use their special abilities. It's such a simple game and it's so much fun. The second game I'd recommend for non-gamers is called Sushi Go. It's for ages eight and above, takes about 15 minutes and it's for two to five players. It's published by GameRight and is designed by Phil Walker-Harding. Sushi Go is really simple. It's played over three rounds. You get dealt a number of cards depending on the number of players. You'll then look at your cards. You'll pick one, put it face down on the table Everybody will say three, two, one, reveal. You reveal your card. You then pass your cards to the next player in a circle and do the same again. Choose a card, put it down, three, two, one, reveal. You'll add that to your tableau. You'll then pass the cards around again in a way that mimics a conveyor belt in a sushi restaurant as the sushi's all going past, you're effectively grabbing the sushi. Each bit of sushi scores differently, like the Maki rolls, whoever gets the most at the end of the round, when everybody's depleted all their cards, will get six points. This person in second place will get three. Nigiri come in the form of egg nigiri, which is worth one point, salmon's worth two, squid's worth three. If you manage to get a wasabi before a nigiri, you can triple the points of that nigiri. Tempura, you need to get two of those to be able to get five points. If you get one on its own, it's worth nothing. Sashimi is similar in that you need three, but you'll get 10 points. If you get anything less, you'll get nothing. Dumplings score progressively higher the more you get, and chopsticks allow you to swap two cards later on. While you collect puddings during the game, and at the very end of the game, the person with the most puddings gets six points and the person with the least gets minus six. People in the middle just manage to stay on the same score. This game's remarkably simple, but it's really fun. I worked on the gate of a mini festival last year in July and um, my wife got the game out while I wasn't even on the gate. I came to the gate and everybody was playing it and they were all fascinated with this game. These guys really were non-gamers. They were from all walks of life, but they all came together for a love of Sushi Go. When I go back again this summer, I know what I'm going to have in my pocket. Sushi Go! Anyway, I'm Will Moffat. You can find me at Board Game Beacon on Twitter. But for now, I'm off to Tokyo for some sushi. See ya! Excellent stuff. Thank you, Will, for that. Uh, some great look at some two awesome games there. I have to admit, I also absolutely love King of Tokyo. And I think earlier on in my gaming hobby uh, i played that game so many times in fact it was the game that i played the most 
What about you, Nick? Uh, King of Tokyo was the first modern board game I bought. Uh, I was so taken with... Um, so this is a bit embarrassing to admit, actually. Uh, my brother had come over with, with Flux and... <laughs> and some other games that he kind of modern games i've just never seen anything the like of and uh i just happened to be in town in waterstones and saw this king of tokyo and the box was just amazing i turned it around and i was like the theme of huge monsters wreaking havoc just grabbed me so much so that i sold a video game to buy this board game instantly had yeah instantly had the uh the the, the nightmare scenario of one of the dials being incorrect um, thankfully, Waterstones replaced it with another one, um, and yeah, from then on was was hooked. And Sushi Go was another early game that really kind of grabbed me. And it's nice to see Will demonstrating that he does have a uh, better taste for games <laughs> than actually. I do have to say, in all fairness, Wacky Races got the seal of approval from Tom Vassell. Wow! So you know, that's sick. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still not going to buy it. Um, but I might play it if I saw someone playing it. So also, about, about those two games that Will was talking about, they are brilliant for people who uh, don't like much writing on cards or writing in rules and stuff like that. I mean, there's, there, it's very picture-based and just goes straight in, really. So it's they're really good. I think for me, what I yeah. liked about the King of Tokyo boxes, apart from the words King of Tokyo, I think that's the only words on there. The rest of it is just so full of pictures and fighting. Just looked amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I also, drawn in by that amazing artwork, uh, I'm guessing we're talking about the original, the first edition. Yeah, definitely. I'm old. I am also not as old. Actually, I'm... A, yeah, well, our dad's had the same birthday. Same birthday, same name, same dad. Yet to be confirmed. Okay. <laughs> so my uh, suggestion for Gateway Game, now I'm a bit more long in the tooth, is one I played recently, actually, and that's the Quest for El Dorado. Mm. And the reason I suggest this one is because um, it's uh, by kind of the gaming designer equivalent of someone who's really pro prolific in another field <laughs> all examples have just left my mind <laughs> that's the age again that's, that's the that. age again uh reiner knizia uh, and it's uh has deck building it's a deck building game but the way it explains deck building and the what you're doing the deck building for really is really focused and really makes sense something that we often call streamlining in board games where there's no kind of fat on the edges and, and often i quite enjoy games with a bit of fat around the edge mm -hmm. and don't, not not against that um but this is you are building your deck to move across this terrain as efficiently and fast as possible and um you can get pretty far without buying too many new cards and that's what i i always play it like a traditional deck builder and so people who come to the game new and hear me say the object of the game is to get here first always beat me because they're like right the object is to get there first i'm just going to move as much as possible and only buy cards when i need them whereas i'm like right this is a deck builder i'm going to stack my deck with amazing cards get rid of the rubbish ones and it just doesn't work and so it, i think 
it's not only for me is it a good gateway game it's a good equalizer for new players who are playing more experienced players um my only complaint it has to be this way my only complaint is they are those kind of mini cards but because there's quite a big uh, takes up quite a big area on the on the table once you put the map out and these other things you, you forgive it uh, so that is uh, the quest for El Dorado comes with a number of variants different difficulties in racetracks and everything like that um, I highly recommend it as a way to teach deck building mechanics and a way to kind of have a good competitive game with people of all experiences in the board game hobby. Excellent. Especially for people with tiny hands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are going to go across to Ryan Hemming, our final contributor for his uh, gateway game. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Ryan Hemming, and the games that I'll be discussing with you today are Hive and One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Now, first of all, I'd like to cover some personal criteria that I came up with to decide which games to include uh, in my segment. One of which was that I've got my family involved in the game. I've used that as a decent litmus test because if I can get my non-gaming family members to the table playing this, well, that's a pretty good indication that it'd be a decent gateway game. Next up, games in this category I felt needed to be simple. Um, you've got to have a game that's easy to teach, otherwise it's going to scare your players away. Um, a small portable box is also preferable as well, so you can carry it around with you, drag it out at surprise events and surprise your friends with board games that don't normally play board games so they can't get away. Equally, a small profile means it's not going to be intimidating for your new players. You're not going to want to bring out a big old box that you can bludgeon your players to death with like Scythe, because uh, then you're just not going to get it to the table. If you've got components coming out your ears, then it's just going to scare people away. So something nice, small, simple, and if I've got my family to play it as well, um, that's an added bonus. So first of all, my first game is Hive. Now for anyone unfamiliar with the game, it's an abstract turn-based strategy game, not unlike chess. And I think that familiarity is a good quality to have in a gateway game. If your players can relate it to something they've played before, well, it just gives them the right footing to start off on. The rules for this turn-based game include either putting down a piece or moving one of your existent pieces uh, with the eventual goal of surrounding the enemy queen. The board itself is made up of the pieces themselves, uh, which are hexagonal tiles, and each piece can move in a slightly different way. So an ant has basically free movement. A grasshopper jumps over pieces, beetles crawl over the top of other pieces, and you'll notice that although the game at first is very simple, very straightforward to teach, there are lots of levels of depth that you can slowly dig into. And if you're playing a head-to-head -head game over the course of 12 games with one person, and each game can last maybe 10-15 minutes, you'll notice that strategies start to evolve and that this depth sort of starts to unravel. But again, the game is very easy to pick up, uh, which makes it an excellent game for this category. The version of the game that I have is called Hive Pocket, which means all the pieces are a little bit smaller and it comes in a lovely pouch that you can carry things around with. Despite the name Hive Pocket, it's not quite appropriate for pocket size. If you can squeeze it into your pocket, it's not going to be the most comfortable experience in the world. In addition, the tiles, as I previously mentioned, um, these hexagonal tiles, they feel so good in the hands that I very rarely get excited over the tactile nature of pieces. But if you play poker or anything similar to that, and you're used to like, playing with chips in your hand and that sort of thing, it f they feel absolutely fantastic. Coupled with that, because they're 
plastic pieces, you can clean them off very easily. The reason why I initially got the game was so I could take it down to the pub, put it on the table, and I don't have to worry about cards getting ruined or damaged or anything like that. I can just, if they get covered in anything, they can just get rinsed off and they're good as new. There are also expansion pieces available. They actually come, two of which actually come in the pocket expansion of the game, as well as the carbon version of the game, which is basically just a different color scheme. I've not actually got to the ex using the expansion pieces yet, just because I've managed to get so much time out of the original set. I mean, I've played several dozen games, probably 60 plus games at this point, and I've only just sort of reached the point where I'm thinking about putting those extra pieces in. So that was Hive. Next up, I'll be talking about One Night Ultimate Werewolf. For those of you that aren't aware, apparently it's very similar to Mafia, a game which I have admittedly never played, but it's the comparison that always seems to be compared to. So in this game, everyone's given a secret role, uh, such as, say, the seer who can look at other people's cards, or the robber that can swap their own card with someone else. But everyone's roles are obviously hidden from the other players, with the ultimate objective of finding who the werewolf is and voting to kill them. The game itself is played out in two phases, the nighttime phase and the daytime phase. The nighttime phase is where everyone closes their eyes and one at a time all of the characters will use their special abilities of swapping cards, looking at other cards, etc, etc. And this is all dictated on a really good app for the game. At the end of this period of time, uh, the players will all open their eyes and they'll all try and discuss you know, what they did or bluff and lie and try and figure out what exactly is going on. If you've had your cards swapped during the evening, well, you are now that new card. So you may be playing that daytime phase afterwards as the werewolf and not know that you're the werewolf. Or vice versa, if you start as a werewolf, there's no guarantee that you still are. So it's all trying to piece together all the puzzles of what's happening, beat other people to that little puzzle. And if you figured out that you are now the baddie, then you need to think quickly to try and twist the story uh, in your favour. Unlike the previous game Hive, this is very different to anything that non-gamers might have played before which makes it a fantastic introduction to the world of modern board gaming. I think a lot of people are very unaware of the range of games that are available nowadays including the these hidden role games, social deduction games, hidden movement games and the vast array of card games and board games which I'm sure you've uh, got some familiarity with. One Night Ultimate Wealth also has that added benefit of being small, simple, unassuming and just really good fun. Like You don't have to take this game seriously at all, just bring it to a small group of people. You can all be having a drink, having a laugh and it's just a damn good time. So that was One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which happened to be one of the first games that I ever owned when coming into this world of scary modern board gaming. With again the first game I mentioned being Hive, or specifically in my case Hive Pocket. And that's all from me. I've been Ryan Hemming, thanks for listening and Back to you guys in the studio. Thank you, Ryan, with your silky smooth voice, like a BBC football pundit there. Uh, also, for those of you who are asking, um, we had uh, one listener just ask what family members Ryan had. Tom G just sent in a little message saying, what family members does Ryan have? Uh, he has a mum and dad, and I believe a sister. Yeah, I think, it's, uh, I, is it a sister? Yeah, it's a sister, yeah. Sister, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so glad we cleared that up. Um, so again, some great suggestions, and I think what's great is you've had a lot of voices, and there's a big range of games there. Uh, Gateway is such a wide term that people have started talking about Gateway Plus now, and and all this stuff, and it is subjective to um, 
to, to people as well, but you've had a good load of games that you can uh, go and research on the Zatu website. Uh, we have loads of gateway games in the stock uh, and loads of the ones we've mentioned today. Um, so go and check those out. Speaking of games, Andrew, yeah. uh, what are you hoping to play this week? Well, uh, this this evening, uh, we've got the Harry Game Lords coming around. We're playing a whole host of uh, new games and previewing some games. So I'm going to be playing um, Canine Collector Mania, I think it is. Uh, that's going to kickstart us soon. Uh, we are also going to be playing Villagers tonight, digging into that. I've not yet played it, so uh, we're going to be doing that. And, Great game. Uh, and what else are we playing? I think we're going to look at Bunny Kingdoms as well. Um, and then next week, we're going to play Nemesis. Oh, beautiful. Amazing and massive Nemesis. And obviously, we're hoping to line up one of our gaming nights up here in Scarborough with you guys so we can have a live on our Facebook channel uh, Battle of 20 Second Challenge from Big Potato Games. It's worth saying that our Facebook channel does have... Uh, live content on every now and again and we're hoping to increase that even more from july with mr andrew jumping on with some live content oh, yes. i have managed to get hold of a couple of grail games recently so grail games are games that are generally out of print uh hard to get hold of i managed to get hold of hansa tectonica or teutonica and via appia via appia is um it's great it's a family level game and it has this little contraption where you're pushing wooden cubes through it, like one of those coin machines at the beach. Oh, yes. And so if you pop in a big wood cube, uh, then you're more likely to get stuff out the other end. But the big cubes are more valuable. So it's it's uh, it's really clever. I really like it. And uh, it's very approachable. Um, and I am also think that what has just arrived is Slide Quest. So I'm looking forward to trying that from Blue Orange because they always make a good game. Yes, they do. Excellent. Well, we we are hitting definitely hitting the half an hour mark, so we will end this here. Check us out on social media, all the usual places: do it. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Especially, we're getting uh, our YouTube content is growing all the time. Um, we're very quick at getting the unboxings up there, and then there'll be a spate of reviews. That's those games that have been unboxed get reviewed by our fantastic team. Yes, indeed. Indeed, yes. Andrew, give us a singular wise last word to finish on. Singular? Yeah, like one word. That was it. I gave you it. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what I did there. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.